Hello and welcome to the Liminal Gallery podcast with me, the founder and director of Liminal, Louise Fitzjohn. podcast is an opportunity to speak to the contemporary artists I'm exhibiting in my Margate-based art gallery. With an exciting program of solo and group exhibitions, hosting this podcast is a fantastic way to delve deeper into the artist's practice and to probe their innermost thoughts about their exhibitions. Liminal Gallery was founded in April 2021 and works with contemporary artists currently practicing across the UK and Ireland, showing the incredibly diverse creatives that are based here. I've been working in the art world for over a decade and I'm incredibly passionate about fully supporting the artists that I work with and I spend most of my time trawling through social media to find artworks which blow my socks off. The artists I work with have an approach which I haven't seen before, a unique talent which spans across the mediums. I'm so excited to share these artists with you as we have in-depth conversations exploring the artists' lives and works into what makes them tick and what gets a ticking off. So I hope you'll join me both on this podcast and down in Margate where you can see the exhibitions of these artists in person. I'm delighted to share that the 17th guest on the Liminal Gallery podcast is contemporary artist Emma Richardson. Driven by an interest in psychology, sexuality and transcendence, Emma Richardson's large-scale oil paintings explore themes of human drive and connection, the complexities of female desire and the search for an ecstatic experience. In her imagined psychological landscapes, Richardson plays with how paint can describe and suggest the intensity of an experience or sensation, represented both the physical and the metaphysical, and its ability to conjure the struggle between the spirit of the times and the spirit of the depths. I came across Emma's work at Art on a Postcard, where I curated a collection for their International Women's Day auction. Beth Greenacre also curated a collection and included Emma's work. I saw it at the private view and I couldn't stop thinking about her postcard size works for weeks after. I've said many times that I'm so impressed by an artist who can work on a large scale and can put the same energy into a smaller work. It's a true skill and the mark of an exceptionally talented artist and Emma is definitely one of those. I thought an email couldn't hurt so I contacted her about this two-person exhibition idea I had and was amazed that she replied so quickly to say yes. I think organic connections driven by honest passion like that are just so important. Her mark making takes you on a journey. It teases out your own suppressed desires and emotions. They have a wild energy which changes the atmosphere of a room, cascading light and softness or exuding a darker sense of high tension. Emma Richardson graduated from Wimbledon School of Art in London with a BA in Fine Art in 2004. She's exhibited in solo and group shows in London, Southampton, Manchester, Margate, Hong Kong, Barcelona and Madrid. She received DYCP funding from Arts Council England in 2021 and in 2022 completed three years on a Terps correspondence course. Her paintings are held in private collections in Canada, America, Italy, Spain and the UK. 
Alongside painting, Richardson is also a musician and has previously wrote and performed worldwide with Band of Skulls for over 10 years. Her paintings appear on a selection of their album and single releases. She currently lives and works in London. Emma Richardson, thank you so much for joining me today. Wow, what a welcome. That's an incredible intro. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. So nice to have you. So nice to talk about you and your work. So I said in the intro that you studied at Wimbledon and you graduated in 2004, but your art career was put somewhat on hold with the success of Band of Skulls, where you toured globally. You returned to art after leaving the band and went on to study a three-year course with Terps, graduating in 2022. What made you leave the band and why did you feel you wanted to join a course to get back into painting? Well, I was really missing being able to paint for a long period of time because I, I was always kind of fitting it around our schedule with the band, which was pretty intense. And there was a lot of time for, you know, writing and then recording the record and then we'd go out on tour for months at a time. So I would try and kind of find occasional months and find a studio space and make a new body of work and then try and squeeze in a little show if I could. But yeah, it was it was quite tricky. But I was, you know, I wanted to balance both because, you know, the experience of writing music and playing live is just it's beautiful and intense and wonderful thing. But yeah, I really wanted to get back into it properly, kind of almost professionally and full time again. And there was a bit of a break in sort of making another record. And I discovered Terps Banana, Terps, like the painting magazine first. And it was a real kind of eye-opener because it was painters interviewing other painters. It felt very contemporary and very focused on sort of quite interesting people. And from there, I kind of discovered the art school. And I remember going to see their show, um, Women Can't Paint, in like 2018, which was incredible. I had some amazing painters and it was a great kind of rebellious statement. And it just, there was something about it. So I looked into the, the course and... The correspondence course, which they offer, is it felt really perfect for me at the time because I was obviously still writing and recording, but I had a space in Southampton. It was great to, you know, continue painting, but have the chance to be mentored by other painters who I respected. And because I felt a bit kind of lost after graduating from Wimbledon, I didn't really have many other painters I could talk to or just get advice from, you know, and I felt like I was in a bit of a rut and a bit lost. So I, I thought this would be a great way to maybe just get some advice and float some ideas about and it just felt very timely so I applied and I got on the course I think that was in 2019 and then obviously the pandemic hit so it was quite timely in a sense because I could then carry on working I had a small space at the end of the garden and it was perfect sort of to kind of keep thinking about it even though you know it was quite a difficult time so it was a bit tricky to be balancing everything but yeah ended up writing and recording a record with the band in lockdown and making quite a lot of paintings and continuing with Terps and yeah after a while it felt like things were shifting obviously in the world and with the lockdown it was you know the situation with the band had become well it was very uncertain the future of touring and playing live and what we were going to do next and it just felt like a moment in time where I had to make a decision and choose one or the other to really give it my full attention, basically. 
so I had to make the really difficult decision of stopping the music and leaving the band and then fully focusing on the painting and luckily I had Terps mentors throughout this period so I was I was able to really focus and concentrate and just paint a lot you know get better at not just the technical skill of using oil paint but just being able to research more and really dive into the ideas I was interested in and yeah ended up getting applying for a DYCP uh, Arts Council grant to just concentrate on researching really and making new bodies of work and that allowed me to continue Terps but yeah I've I haven't looked back I've ended up you know moving to London and getting a studio up here and it was a, a good decision for me to make at this time in my life and yeah it's always difficult to leave something that's such a big part of your life but yeah it's felt like the right decision for sure. What an amazing lockdown you had I mean most people kind of stopped working so their life kind of stopped but yours you were able to actually take something extra on and focus on your painting but still recording still writing with the band yeah it felt like if you don't do that you go kind of insane well personally I would have I think so there's only so much sort of reading and sitting in the garden going running you can do <laughs> isn't it so yeah it was definitely a chance to think and write and read and make and do you think like the stopping, the fact that you stopped touring, the fact that you were able to just like hunker down and make a new body of work, do you think that that contributed to your decision to leave the band? Yeah, I think it was definitely a big deciding factor, the fact that I was I was spending so much more time painting and I realised how much it meant to me. This was the thing I originally wanted to do. You know, I studied at school and then I went on to college and did art and photography and psychology and then I did a foundation year and then I went on to Wimbledon School of Art so it was always kind of in my mind of as a trajectory of something I'd like to pursue but when you're in a band and you get given an opportunity I, I think I, I would have been crazy to say no and and focus just on the painting because it's pretty difficult to kind of get somewhere like that with a band and I think I loved it you know it was an incredible experience it was a really great gang of friends and we all we were working hard to get somewhere you know to get a record out or get a record deal or so you know to say kind of no sorry I'm gonna stick with the, the painting at that point would have been kind of crazy looking back I'm glad I carried on with the music but um yeah it's a difficult one it's um you can always kind of come back to painting I think sometimes as with music but depending on what you're doing in your life and how it works I guess your inspiration is vast and varied, including historical painting, research into ideas of the dangerous woman, female authority and desire, and obviously your previous experience as a touring musician, which led you on to research into the human need throughout history to find an escape through the transcendental in religion, spirituality, sex, drugs, music and the power of the natural world. How do you take all of these ideas, combine them and then translate them into your works? It sounds really epic, doesn't it? All of these things. I guess I've always been fascinated by human behaviour, human sexuality, our drives, um, the way we connect with each other. And I think I've always been drawn to the more kind of dramatic artists and like the eras of painting. So especially the painting of like the Baroque era and the Renaissance where it is you know humans sort of finding this way to try and describe the world and what it all means by kind of making these kind of huge 
quite kind of ferocious paintings and they're so dramatic and explosive and it's kind of touches on this kind of need to understand why we're all here and these stories and mythology and and especially more kind of the biblical scenes and things that have happened throughout the world in different cultures that you can see you know there's there's been this return to theme you know of this heaven and hell and this damnation and ascent to heaven and I don't know I just found it like it was very cinematic and very exciting to look at and the compositions and the colours and I kind of love the kind of grandeur of it and I've always kind of wanted to do that myself with my own work and so it's using that idea of I guess these ancient belief systems and visual narratives and cues to maybe taking from those artists and those images and trying to use that world to describe maybe an inner experience and mixing these two worlds so like the inner experience and then what is actually happening in in our times as well and it's a lot you know (laughs) things are kind of crazy and they always kind of have been but it's trying to show a sensation or a feeling personally I find it easier to do that in a more abstracted way so it opens it up to more readings and I think everyone looks at paintings differently because we're all very complex and we're very different people and I think it helps when it's a bit more open sometimes rather than having like an allegory or a narrative which is fixed piece of imagery or story but to have something which is so free and wild and it's kind of suggests so many possible different feelings or sensations and it could be put in any time you know I'm a big fan of looking at like space and the Hubble telescope and the James Webb telescope and especially during lockdown actually that was it was quite comforting looking at these huge expanses of space and these images of beyond what we know you know it's fascinating to me so I try and draw from these things and especially I guess it's not just the old masters I really look to a lot of female painters who deal with that female experience and how some of these artists like edgily put this over like Paula Rago or Dorothea Tanning or that kind of spiritual sense in Hilma F. Klimt's work it's the female gaze looking out from female eyes onto the world and how we sort of capture that I guess I'm kind of intrigued by as a woman and earlier you said that you study psychology yes is that right okay. do you think that's where this interest came from completely yeah like I said, I was always interested in sort of human behaviour. And I think it's partly because you want to find out about why you behave certain ways or why other people do behave certain ways. And I think, yeah, discovering the psychology through the psychology course, all these studies and people who had researched into so many different aspects of humanity, it was just fascinating to me. So I think it's like how then to translate that knowledge or those ideas visually sometimes and that's quite exciting to me. You know, it's like a test. It's a challenge. It's like, what does something feel like, look like? <laughs> you know, it's a big subject to explore, but it's quite open and quite free. And there's lots to roam around in with that, which is exciting. At the private view, I found it really interesting hearing what people saw in your abstract paintings. There was a lot of landscape references, which I was quite interested by in since the project view obviously the exhibition's been up for a few weeks now and there's been so many different readings some quite fun there's under the skin and someone said it looks like blancmange and custard oh I love that (laughs) (laughs) essential desserts (laughs) yeah 
But then when I told them the title, then they were like, oh, and then that just kind of activated something else in their brain. So are you surprised by what people pick out? And do you try to help their understanding by using their titles? Or do you prefer to keep it vague? Are you trying to like guide their understanding or are you trying to make them see something different? And also, how do you gauge your feedback if you ever get any feedback? And does it ever fuel your future works? Interesting question. Yes, I'm fascinated by what people see in the works. I think they... I've said this before, they kind of, for me, they feel like when I've made a piece and I've put it out into the world, it feels like they're like pink blot tests, you know, it's kind of, everyone's probably going to see something quite different in it because everyone comes from a different situation. And I think it's fascinating to see the kind of variety of people's responses because it shows that not everybody thinks the same way. A certain colour or a certain brushstroke sometimes can make you feel something different. And I do love playing with that power of suggestion, like there's a tightrope. It's like a window into the subconscious sometimes, if I get it right. (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating to me. But I do title them in a slightly playful or slightly darker way, or it can be a reference to a song or something, or it can be a a throwaway like line or something I've heard, or it's reference to film or something which I feel the painting encapsulates maybe, and, and that kind of maybe hopefully guides people into the atmosphere I want them to be in but I'm so open to what anyone sees in any of them and it's really interesting hearing especially when it's a really different response from quite a lot of people but yeah I don't know if that sort of guides then me making more work I think it's just great to know that that's an effect of the painting you know people having those different visions seeing different things in it So I think that your mark making is very suggestive. There's certain moments that are very fluid, almost like fleshy, and it doesn't even particularly matter what the colour is. You can see tumbling bodies or writhing limbs. But then there's other moments where it's a bit more dramatic and immediate. And it's just been so interesting hearing what people say about so many of the works. There's also Predator, which is such a brilliant title because you're like as soon as you know the title you're like oh it kind of it's a very dramatic piece anyway but it just adds to the drama of it but then I had someone coming in saying they thought it was like looking up at the night sky and seeing the clouds kind of tinged with the moonlight and I thought oh it's so beautiful let me tell you the name of it yeah <laughs> this lovely serene moment yeah. and it's like predator But it does, it just totally changes it. It's really fascinating to watch that in the gallery. No, I bet. I think it's fascinating to be able to conjure up this kind of humans and limbs or animalistic traits or teeth, or there's there's a kind of menace, creating an image which has a kind of underlying menace about it or a real sensuality to it. I think I work quite instinctively, so the painting usually sort of shouts out and tells me what it needs and what place to take it. Like the predator... I started with a completely dark background and I never usually worked like that I just wanted to sort of jolt myself out of doing a similar thing for another piece and I just it felt like it came together quite quickly and there was a sort of slight urgency but also this kind of dark feeling about it and it worked with this idea of the ocean and that unknown and the subconscious and yeah, predator is quite a strong word, you know, and I think especially in these times, and I think it's it does feel like it makes you feel a little bit anxious. 
I'm not afraid to go there sometimes with work. If it's just shouting out for me to do that. Obviously, something needs to come out. Good to see it's getting those responses, though. And you work quite quickly, don't you? Because you say that a work will tell you what it needs. It kind of jump out and say where you need that mark. But do you sometimes have to just live with it for a while to get it right? Or are there some that's just in a few weeks, it just comes to life? Pretty much, yeah. It's almost like the time and the effort is allowing yourself to get into the right headspace to start a painting. So not forcing yourself into it because you feel like you need to finish something by Tuesday. It's like that being in the space, thinking about the themes and the ideas that you want to maybe work on. I find it kind of things just happen quite quickly and like you know, I'll paint all day and then the next day I just can't bear to look at it because I think that's oh, not good enough and so I won't go in or I turn it to the wall and I'm in the studio but I don't want to see it and I do something completely different and then I go back to it and it will sometimes they're just finished and I feel just scared to move them on more but then it's like if I even tried it would be like no it's good you know I've just it took me a week to realize it sometimes but yeah it's very spontaneous quite quick working a lot with wet in wet and as long as it has that kind of energy and that feeling and the composition sort of hangs well together and like if you look around the painting your eye kind of leads you around and there isn't anything I feel a bit like oh god that does not work at all and then it's yeah the frustration of one mark then leading you to then have to rework the whole painting you know but no it's always a mystery I have no idea sometimes how it's going to turn out I don't pre-plan anything I do small sketches for rough composition ideas to get a kind of a basic structure and then I try and like paint that in like draw with paint but generally it's changes so dramatically from that initial sketch that I've just got to go with it. And you said you work wet on wet because you work with oil paint, right? Because they're all quite thin layers, aren't they? So if it dries and then there's a section that you don't like, how do you then work into that? I tend to, I do like a, a layer of oil, just rub rub that over maybe the section I don't like. And then I use that base to have that wet and wet feeling again. And then I try and sort it out. <laughs> as best I can (laughs) and then it leads to other problems you have to fix but there is ways of glazing so you can merge parts of the painting so it might look very spontaneous but sometimes there are quite a lot of layers or things that have happened or problems that have had to be managed or sorted out or added to or taken away but then that's the beauty of the final piece when it's all finished everything just flows you can't even tell the patchworks it's only you that knows that <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a cheesy question but with your background in music what do you listen to while you're painting it's a great question music is so important in my life and I'm very affected by it emotionally so it's like if if I'm feeling a certain type of way then I'll put on a certain type of music that hopefully will match that feeling or get me into another feeling if I want to kind of move on with something. So all sorts of music, it could be like heavy rock or classical or soul or hip hop. It's like it needs to be right for the moment. Or I also listen to podcasts when you just want to zone out and just listen to listen to people talking. I think I find that quite soothing just to kind of work with that in the background. So I tend to kind of go to like art podcasts or psychology or philosophy podcasts and yeah just sometimes silence you know just to kind of not notice the time going and you can if I'm in the right frame of mind just 
you can get lost in the work and it you know five hours pass and you haven't kind of stopped and it's a, that's a beautiful moment of like transcendental flow which just happens which is quite rare sometimes but when it does it's like it's it's magic I always used to listen to music when I was working but recently I've just started working in silence but maybe that's because I've got a toddler and I just like <laughs> the silence doesn't happen very often so I'm just like the calm ah. yeah. um yeah I always used to listen to music I don't know I just maybe I find it too distracting now because sometimes it can be and you're right it definitely puts you in a particular mood doesn't it and so I guess it depends on the piece you're working on whether you what kind of energy you want exactly I think it's yeah it can be very distracting or it can be very helpful and I think like recently I've been listening to the latest Christine and the Queens record and it is quite intense and dark and beautiful and kind of it throbs you know and you've got to be in the right frame of mind to kind of be in that place with it because it's quite it can be quite dark and also recently the new Janelle Monet album I think it's called like the art of pleasure as well or something which is a great title <laughs> but it's like that's a little more fun and a bit more like sassy and just being in control of your own person and you're it's a very sensual record but it's fun so it's like having these different atmospheres in the studio sometimes when when necessary yeah but it changes a lot and do you have a preferred size because obviously in, in the intro I said about how you work on the smaller scale and you work on the bigger scale and the current exhibition that's the prime showcase of your work you've got one absolutely ginormous piece which by the way I don't know whether I told you this but when it was delivered it was delivered one way, but I needed to turn it around to hang it. And so I thought, I'll definitely be able to turn that around in the gallery. And so I went to turn it around and it didn't fit. And I was like, I, you know, obviously it doesn't fit. So I had to take it outside, try to make sure it wasn't just like a sale. And I just took off and I had to turn it around and then bring it back in. It's huge. And then there's uh, some very small pieces as well. And do you, do you have like a preferred size? Do you like to make sure that you're working between the two to keep your hand active yeah I kind of enjoy jumping between the scales actually it's definitely keeps those muscles kind of flexing you know from small to big scale I'm most happiest on a larger scale I'd say so for me working small is quite tricky sometimes so I need to you know I need to keep doing it to kind of keep it flowing but I find it quite interesting how you can portray a certain type of, sort of sensation in a small quite intense canvas that's maybe not as possible on a big scale hopefully that comes across with the works in this show where it kind of translates down and um, they kind of talk to each other as a little set I was explaining to someone actually in the gallery the other day that I feel that when you're working on a large scale it's quite easy to get like all those big gestural marks in there because you've got the weight of your whole body driving you so you're able to throw your whole body into it all those beautiful marks but then when you go down on a smaller scale it's all in your wrist isn't it so you're trying to use that same energy but just limiting it to your wrist and to be able to do the two like you're totally right it is you you've got to do it often to keep your hands your muscles working in that same way because it is just very very different and you can tell when someone is not so good at doing the smaller scale because it looks like a section of their larger painting rather than a painting in its own right. Yeah, it's really tricky. I 
often feel like I'm not doing it right. <laughs> but um, I think it's, yeah, just trial and error sometimes. And it's just the more you do it, I think, the easier it becomes to jump between. So. so we kind of already spoke about this, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. But there is a real sense of intuitiveness in your mark making, which you mentioned before. And there's some very gestural fluid marks alongside the deeper blocked areas of the canvas. How much of your work is planned and how much of it is instinctual? I think probably 20% planned, 80% instinctual. And I quite like keeping it open like that as well. I went through a phase of planning the compositions and drawing on large scale canvases just with charcoal pencil and plotting out the structures and getting quite detailed into the drawing. And it really, it was like a kind of fence sort of holding me. It felt like I had to sort of fill the gaps, just work within that brief I'd given myself. And it was really restricting actually, and it got quite frustrating. <laughs> so I kind of ended up completely getting rid of that idea and drawing with paint. Then more recently, I've been using more washes on the base layer and just almost plotting out sections and giving an idea of colour. So I guess how the old masters used to sort of plot out with their tonal compositions sort of mid-tones where things are going to be plotting out light and dark and then working into that with more colour and more intense of uh, tones. But it keeps it free. Then I can draw and move a lot with the paint and see what images come out almost. So it is, yeah, really instinctual. And sometimes things appear that I didn't see the day before and I look at it again and I kind of, that's the best way. I sort of, it's drawing and then it being abstract, but then seeing things in it a few days later and then bringing that out or covering that up. There's a lot of censoring and revealing and to make it an exciting painting to look at. And you mentioned charcoal because you just had a, an amazing solo show in Manchester. I can't remember the name of the gallery. Uh, Miramar, yeah, in Marple, run by the brilliant Nancy Collentine, yes. And you also had some of your charcoal drawings on show there as well. Yeah, it was the first time I've shown them actually on that scale alongside the paintings and it worked quite well I think I might be doing that again at some point but it's such a free process like drawing with charcoal on paper and like using your hands and really getting in there and pushing it around and it's so quick and it's really urgent and it's it feels like if I'm in a good place and things are rolling then it kind of lay down something and then work into it and try and finish something within a day it has a real it captures some kind of energy which is it's so much quicker and easier than the oil painting. But I guess that it's a simpler way of getting an immediate sensation across, I think. But yeah, it was great to do a few huge ones and have them all hung together in this old kind of darkly painted bank vault, I think it was, in a room of its own. It kind of had a real power to it. So um, yeah, I want to I want to be doing that again. But it's a great way to free up before painting as well, doing these big gestural charcoal, like that kind of smooth movement you get with charcoal over paper it's just and then being able to blend and blur and draw in with a rubber and make it like you know it's it's exciting you know you never know what's going to appear or disappear or it's um and hopefully that comes across in the works you know yeah I was really surprised when I saw them because I just couldn't imagine that you could get the same energy across through oil paints and through all the color because you do have quite a colorful palette but they just work so beautifully. I just love them. There's just something so delicious about charcoal. I can never really put my finger on it, but it's just, 
you know that real heavy line and like you say you can blur it out and it's just like all the different variations of it it's yeah lovely lovely medium very satisfying yeah to work with so talking about your color palette you told me that your use of pink in your new work seductress in the pull of the tides is a new color which you've added to your palette do you have a specific palette of colors which you always go back to and is there a color that you avoid oh good questions I tend to have quite a limited amount of paint on my palette so I end up keeping my mixing skills up and going because I think starting with less and creating your own color scheme sometimes is more exciting than just having like every single shade and then it gets so overwhelming and I used to use quite a lot of pinks and reds and magentas and stuff in my work looking back after it you know with hindsight you can always kind of maybe you know see a little better about what you were doing what was good about it and whatnot but it was felt like quite an obvious palette for the subject matter I was tackling at the time to do with desire and sexuality and um, female pleasure. And it was, yeah, I overdid it, I think, a little bit. So I kind of was a little scared to jump back into that tonal world of pinks and reds. But more recently, I think, especially with this show and the work for this show, it was really exciting maybe bringing selection of those suggestive colours back into a more landscape world to sort of show this idea of that inner landscape the kind of inner experience it's bodily but it's also a vista it's this big expanse so that was quite exciting and I think favorite color wise or colors I'm scared of I think I'm trying to be braver at the moment and I do like this idea of this juxtaposition of the kind of old darker kind of umbers and greys of the old masters then adding like this shock of lemon yellow or something on it or like a bright neon pink or something that's quite shocking it brings it into like a temporary space sometimes or it kind of plays with with these two eras sometimes which is quite exciting but yeah I'm always discovering maybe new colorways I look a lot at different fashion imagery sometimes it's quite exciting for like combinations of unexpected colors and fabric and I think that it kind of is quite inspiring sometimes to see like it's like jarring things that you don't normally see together or nature obviously has a wild <laughs> amazing color palette um yeah I think like I think mixing things that shouldn't be together sometimes and seeing what that does to a, the feeling in the painting is quite exciting no so there's no particular colors that you completely avoid not really no I'm, I'm up for giving any color a go I think it it's what's next to it like what is it complemented by how is it used I think you have to I think you have to be quite aware sometimes of just throwing a mixture together just to kind of be a bit daring sometimes I've tried that and it, there's certain things that do not work <laughs> but it's pretty varied yeah pretty, I'm pretty open to trying different combinations that's for sure and I'm nowhere I've I feel like I've I constantly feel like I've just scratched the surface with being, you know, the technical side of it. You know, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still on this sort of journey of being able to figure out what works with what and how to kind of bring a certain atmosphere to a painting in the right way with the right colour. So, yeah. And how do you go about your learning? Are you on YouTube? It's a real mixture, actually. Yeah, I did that, like, during the Terps course, actually, just, you know, learning how Rubens painted 
a picture and like Caravaggio and Velasquez and like looking at all these and Tiepolo, they all had quite different techniques, but there was a similar, there was similar paint, there was similar ways of doing a certain thing and like the materials they had. And then part of me wants to kind of just tear it up and do something completely different with those skills. I go around lots of galleries and I look at a lot of painting in the flesh and you can learn so much by looking at lots of different types of painting, not just ancient and old, but your contemporaries and people who are doing exciting things that you are sort of blown away by and things you're bored by or you don't like. And it's like, well, why don't I like that style of painting? And there's always something to learn from all of these works, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's a real mixture. Looking a lot, like, talking about painting with painters yeah looking at youtube tutorials going back and looking at my old work and sort of seeing how i was working and then noticing a shift and then think where do i want to take that in the future that's always quite helpful sometimes as well earlier you said about joining terps and almost building your community having like someone to bounce your ideas off of do you feel like terps gave you that little community of painters that you can speak to Completely. Yeah. It's been a real amazing three years with them. And I mean, it was the correspondence course. So it was initially started as as these brilliant letter writing sessions between me and the mentors I had. And I still look at them now for referencing, you know, how to do certain things or rethinking things. They keep on giving, you know, which is because that's very in-depth and all the mentors took so much time and effort to really get to the bottom of what I was doing and trying to maybe suggest and so yeah forever grateful but it also it kind of opens up this world of other painters like you who are based around the country and in I was in Southampton at the time so I got to London a lot and try and go to people's openings and shows and you ended up arranging shows with each other and having group shows and it just connects other painters together in a, the most brilliant way and you end up finding this sort of tribe of people who have the same obsessions as you and the same need to paint and this this sort of crazy it is kind of insane when you think about it you know I turn up every day in the studio and I push oil paint on a surface around and it's like sometimes you're like what is this all about <laughs> you know but it's magic it's absolute magic and I think it's such an incredible way of translating a, a feeling about why we're all here what's the point of it all having questions about everything and being interested in certain subjects and trying to get those onto a canvas but also it's like the materiality of the paint you know it's like that idea of what can paint do what can you make paint do and what's its limits what's possible and that's really exciting it's allowed me to find a tribe of people who all want to get to the root of some of these questions and you know, you get you get you get recommended other artists, and it's a great way of being able to, yeah, share your problems with things and have people kind of back you up and like just make you feel like you're not crazy when you're sort of doing when you're working a lot on your own. You know, so yeah, it's great. It's been amazing. I'm amazed that you came across Terps without having a recommendation because everyone that I've spoken to this and any kind of Terps course can only say amazing things about it. It just seems like the best program you came across it quite organically then pretty much yeah I mean it was um the partner I had at the time he started collecting the magazines and we were both reading them and he was a painter as well and it was this idea of you know god this is brilliant it's a magazine with you know no adverts everywhere it's just about painting and it's 
written by painters about other painters in conversation. It's been a long time since anything like that's been available. So it just felt like really a new and refreshing, exciting scene. And then to know that they then had an art school as well and a gallery, it was like, oh, wow, you know, that could be a possibility. So, yeah, I'm grateful <laughs> for that introduction. So for your current exhibition, you did a lot of research into the ocean. Can you tell me about your extensive research and what elements particularly inspired you for these works? Yeah, so just going down and visiting the gallery and seeing where it was and the positioning and wanting to maybe tackle a subject which was a little divergent from what I've been looking at. The ocean and the sea felt like a kind of, I sort of naturally gravitated towards that as an idea. And it just got me thinking about my connection with it and why that was. And then all these ideas started popping up about its sort of link with my research currently. And it was just felt quite exciting to kind of go down that path. But so, yeah, there was a few sort of themes and things I wanted to look at. I actually grew up on a boat when I was little and I had about six years of living on a boat so I learned from quite a young age how unpredictable and slightly terrifying the sea could be <laughs> and I was always you know I was surrounded by stories and images of storms and how you have to kind of know your stuff to kind of deal with it and be out on it and so that was always like childhood growing up so there was a, a there's a strong connection for me with it and then also this idea of the deepest depths being a metaphor for our subconscious and I love that idea we haven't explored to the deepest parts of the ocean we don't really know what's down there we know a little but not really everything and I quite like that it's this sort of secretive space that this the earth still has kind of without us ruining it well to a point but it's this idea of we do have in our own minds human beings tend to push down the stuff that's difficult or not deal with things which are awkward or some of our drives and some of our insecurities and and I think it has this kind of unnerving connection with that sort of stormy sea and the depths and that kind of darkness which I kind of wanted to just see what I could come up with visually for that kind of idea it intrigued me so yeah, I was looking a, a bit of imagery. I was watching stuff about free diving and people who they get a kick out of that kind of ascending to really deep depths with just holding their breath without any apparatus or anything. But like it's terrifying, but it's like a, it's another moment of transcendence, is it, or an, an ecstatic experience where you push your body to the limit, and it's something which could go terribly wrong. So there's always a risk, and it's just a fascinating thing, isn't it? That idea of what's possible in that sense of like how far we can what we can push ourselves to do so that was another element that kind of subconscious conscious world and then the other theme that was kind of kept cropping up was this idea about historically lots of different belief systems have had ways of interpreting forces of nature and the oceans and with kind of goddesses and sirens and these kind of deities which they sort of personify the ferocity of nature and all the giving and the kind of nurturing and the you know that side of it as well and that's it seems like it's cross cultures cross religions it sort of appears and how it's usually a woman 
this kind of strength, this power, this sort of sexual being almost with this control over floods and monsoons and, and rains and drought, but as well as, you know, it's a life-giving force. So, you know, we can't survive without water. So it's like we're at, we're at the beck and call of whoever's controlling this, you know, that idea of it's, we don't have control, it's something else. It's a big subject. I like the big, <laughs> these big realms of thought of like, well, what if, I don't know, that's kind of tapping into another reason. But yeah, I don't know, it fascinates me. So I just wanted to maybe see if I could translate that into imagery and colour and movement and just see if I could put those ideas in a visual sense. I think we think we're in control of everything, but we're really not. <laughs> so um, it's nice to be able to maybe delve deeper into those ideas and play around with trying to recreate that. You were talking about how you also looked into space earlier, that you're really fascinated by space and seeing what's beyond our little planet. And then you're also interested in the darkest depths of the sea where we haven't really been able to explore and so it's interesting that you're particularly interested in the human level of our own psyches, but then all these things that we haven't quite reached, that we haven't quite fully explored yet. For sure. I like the mystery of it, you know, because it's a great kind of struggle between the two as well, because, you know, we have our inner turmoils and our inner life and our emotions and our feelings about things. But then also we're living on a planet in a universe which we have no idea about and how we got here, what it's all for. So it's we make these rules for ourselves to make things easier, I think. And there is always this struggle between those two things. So that's what I talk about in my, like the bio, the statement about having this struggle between the spirit of the times and the spirit of the depths, because it does feel like there's, I think it's maybe Jungian, maybe that, like I did that sort of philosophy of, we're always trying to have the two, trying to kind of work together maybe, but it's it's kind of impossible because they're, always a difficult one when it's on a, such a grand scale compared to the inner emotion and but trying to make sense of things isn't it it's like you know a lot of people are trying to do these days <laughs> and also making peace with the questions that can't be answered and I think that people are so desperate to have answers and no matter what cost and they're trying to find out these answers but some there's some questions that just cannot be answered that's definitely not going to be answered in our lifetime and it's just trying to make peace with that completely it's okay not to know so the questions that I ask everyone what do you enjoy most about your practice there's so many things mainly I'd say with surprising myself with what comes out sometimes having like epiphanies of how just I don't know just like where did that come from kind of feeling you know I think the pleasure of working with oil paint the like materiality of it it's just it's so sensual and so the colors are so gorgeous and it's just there's just endless possibilities with what you can do with it and I guess yeah it's like having ideas in your mind about what you want to create and then putting something down on canvas and it's that idea of like trying to put something in your imagination and put it down and make it real basically and that sort of hunt to try and nail this kind of what something feels like what something looks like in your mind you know <laughs> um, which is it's so um, addictive it's never ending because you'll never be able to maybe do it so but that's not the point it's the process I think yeah and just things to discover for sure it's addictive <laughs> It's also quite interesting that you say that it never comes out how you imagined, because that was always a 
thing that I found most frustrating because I studied fine art and I was just like I can't do this because nothing turned out the way that I imagined it and I I just found that so frustrating that I just I couldn't do it anymore and then I started working with artists and I was like this is what I'm supposed to do that's where I work best so I'm glad that I felt like that and I looked into a different area but it's interesting that you say that because for me that was always like the most frustrating but for you that's the most fulfilling very much so yeah we'll always come out differently to how you envision in your mind you know and even if you did make a kind of exact copy it probably wouldn't have the same resonance you know because you just it's just being surprised I think with what's possible what you're capable of and what do you find the most frustrating about your practice oh I think yeah the frustration thing is really wrapped up with how a painting comes into being for me so it's almost like I kind of enjoy it weirdly (laughs) the fact that it's the kind of tension of when something's really not going well within a painting and it it gets to this kind of dead end place where I'm just really not happy with it it's like this building up of annoyance and kind of like anger and then it gets to a point where it's I can't handle it anymore and I just need to do something drastic those moments are usually when I can discover something completely new about what's possible I do something really kind of over the top and it actually pulls the whole thing together or it's like a it's like you take a risk and it pays off but sometimes it doesn't work (laughs) but most of the time when you're kind of when you're so sort of amped up and you've pushed yourself into this place of frustration because it's just not working that's when the kind of spark happens and something kind of a door opens into so many other options so I'd say I kind of use the frustration I kind of need it that when you can't make a painting work it's like golden sometimes <laughs> has it ever not paid off and you've had to if it doesn't work at all what do you do with the artwork then do you just like put it to the side and think well I'm just going to come at you another day do you scrub it all back yeah obviously don't chuck away canvases that'd just be a massive waste of resources right so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true sometimes I mean the worst the worst that it's ever got is, I guess, being so mad at a painting. It was only a small one as well, which was even worse. But it was like, <laughs> just like, you know, just ripping it apart oh, wow. in anger. <laughs> just like spending like a whole week on something that I really thought I could save. And then at the last minute, it was like, no, it's just appalling. Too, it's just too many layers. I can't even scrape back. And it was just, yeah, I learned a lot of lessons. But, but it, yeah, it didn't survive. It was very sad. <laughs> sort of painting in bits on the floor. But um, yeah, I usually try and just either take the canvas off and re-stretch it and start again, or I just turn it away and leave it. And sometimes if I've kept it and left it, usually I can save it. I just need a bit of time away from it. But um, yeah, I do know if it's not savable, sometimes it's just gone too far. It's like, nope, (laughs) I can't even see it in the studio. (laughs) needs to go. Is there anything else you'd like to say about your current two-person show, The Pull of the Tides at Liminal Gallery? It's just been an amazing experience. Thank you so much for thinking of me for the show, for inviting me to be a part of it, for putting me and Anna Blom together. Like I've, I hadn't met her before. I, I knew of her, but didn't actually meet her in person before the show either. So, and I thought you did such an amazing job of bringing us together because our works has a great dialogue in the space and I think we after speaking at the opening it was just like this is so incredible she's you're a genius you know (laughs) for making this happen I'm so glad just recorded that (laughs) (laughs) yeah done. (laughs) but yeah it was just just a really 
amazing thing to be showing in a new town, a new city, showing with a new gallery and showing alongside a new artist who I haven't worked with before and to have it all work out so beautifully and everyone be so amazing. And you've just been so uh, brilliant to work with. So thank you so much. It's been an incredible experience. Yes, <laughs> welcome. You're so welcome. I've loved it. And thank you for humouring my fangirl email and uh, <laughs> and of my course. vision for the show because the reason that I said that in the intro is I think that it's really important that sometimes you do just come across an artist's work and you just can't stop thinking about it and you just think I've got nothing to lose I'm just going to email them and ask them and then sometimes that can just be such an amazing bridge for you to come together and work together and have that relationship because you don't always get introduced to artists or meet organically sometimes it is just that that kind of way where you just got to put yourself out there haven't you and ask the question definitely yeah well I'm very glad you did I'm glad of the bold approach of just asking it's like you know people need to do it more I think people are very responsive I think if you've done your research and you know about the person and you yeah if it's genuine it's really important to connect people like that I think I think it's such a beautiful show. I'm really, really happy with it. And I think the response to it has been amazing. So nice to bring both of your works to Margate for the first... Oh, actually, I was going to say for the first time, you had a sneaky little cheeky show just before. Yes. <laughs> for your work the second time <laughs> at the Lido stores. Goddesses on yes. Sea. It was a wonderful show. It was incredible, yeah. Jack Johnson, curatorial duo powerhouse exactly that amazing well thank you so much for having me it's been a brilliant experience and to just be able to talk about the work more on the, this podcast it's like it's I think this is my first <gasps> official podcast so I feel very um yeah it's amazing to be able to speak more about what's behind the work and be asked these are brilliant questions so thank you yeah very very welcome so on that note that is all my questions. So Emma Richardson, thank you so much for joining me today on the Liminal Gallery podcast. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The Pull of the Tides is a two-person exhibition by Anna Blom and Emma Richardson, and it continues until the 30th of September at Liminal Gallery, 34 Fort Hill in Margate. We have new opening times and are now open Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays, 11 until 4 p.m and outside these times by appointment. More information can be found on our website, www.liminal-gallery.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Liminal Gallery podcast with me, Louise Fitzjohn, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode featuring Julia Ellen Lancaster, who has an upcoming solo exhibition, Deadly Bloom, in our main space, opening on the 7th of October. Bye for now.